Brian Tracy said, become the type of leader that people would follow voluntarily, even if you had no title or position. Estee Lauder said, I never dreamed of success. I worked for it. Welcome to Escaping the Ordinary Podcast. If you are ready to be the best version of yourself and level up your life, stay tuned as we interview special guests who will bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we are going to show you how with your host, Ryan T. So I want to welcome a special guest, Shay Taylor. Shay has been a longtime friend of mine and I've watched him create an incredible business and lifestyle. Shay is a CEO and owner of Taylor by George, which is a boutique marketing agency. It has actually helped my business personally and I know many others while creating marketing content for those that strive to be ahead of the game. Shay also owns a clothing, clothing label called Lost and Nowhere. Lost and Nowhere says it brings you a slice of paradise and tropical vibes in each and every stitch. Prior to all of this, Shay was based in Auckland, New Zealand, working as a marketing executive for Sky City Entertainment Group. Shay threw it all away in 2014 to become his own boss and made his own break. I'm so excited to catch up with a great friend of mine as someone that I know will share so much useful information for everyone. Welcome, Shay. Hey, Ryan. How's it going, mate? Good, man. Good. What's happening? How's, uh, so where are you located at the moment? Currently situated in Bali, Indonesia mm-hmm. and riding out the storm over here in the tropics, which is pretty nice. So, so COVID-19 has got you on the lockdown like everyone else or? Uh, yeah, look, Bali's been really good as a whole and yeah, we're pretty much on lockdown here. Probably the equivalent, if anyone's sort of familiar with what's going on in New Zealand, probably the equivalent to lockdown level three. So. We're allowed out outside, but the beaches are closed. All the top restaurants that you're familiar with here in Bali are closed. And it's pretty sort of low-key lifestyle at the moment. Gotcha. So obviously, most Australians and New Zealanders obviously know a lot about Bali and most have probably visited the place. So tourism's a huge thing there. I mean, we go there quite often. Obviously, we catch up every time I go there. But how, how do you reckon the locals are going with, you know, like I know many of them operate in the tourist destination districts and you know that live elsewhere so what do you think you know is happening with all of that yeah look it's to be honest mate it's pretty sad in terms of what's happening out there obviously tourism struck sort of right out and flatlined here in bali so you know many people um, across the island have unfortunately lost their jobs and you know looking ahead into the future there's sort of I don't know, it's, it's looking pretty grim in terms of flights arriving into Bali and that mass tourism market sort of eventually coming back. So, you know, we're getting stuck in. We're, we're supporting a, a really good cause called Crisis Bali and they're starting to do meal packs and food for um, local families. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it is, you got to remember it is, is it, a, it is an island, it's a tropical island, so people are going to suffer. So, yeah, we, we've all got to chip in and sort of do our part, those that live here and also those that have visited often. You know, 10 bucks goes a long way. It can feed sort of 20, 20 people, which is massive, you know, and 10 bucks is nothing for us. Well, I think, um, I mean, do, do you see Bali bouncing back after this? And uh, like, do you project it to be in a year or, or shorter than that or longer than that? Yeah, look, I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, as, as everyone knows, this whole COVID situation is definitely changing day by day. Obviously, Bali's hoping for a quick recovery and... So, so are we in terms of just business wise and 
and lifestyle here on the island. But look, I reckon maybe anywhere between six, six to 12 months for it to start recovering and then maybe up to 18 months, maybe even longer for a full recovery. And, and that's, that's not based on the island itself. I mean, there's a lot of factors and I guess, you know, the international tourism. If I look at New Zealand, you know, they've, they've mentioned that the borders are probably going to close for, for six months at least. So it's the ability to travel in and out of countries, which is, I think, going to be problematic for tourism all over the world. Especially small, small um, islands like Bali, I think. Uh, yeah, obviously been there a lot of times in the past. I, we, we all know how, you know, tourism really runs those, you know, a lot of the money that goes into that country and um, filters through to the, to the locals and supports the villages and stuff like that. And it's so great, great to hear people like you, Shay, that live there and have lived there for a while, which we'll talk about, but like obviously doing your part and supporting, you know, to the place that you live in, even though you're a, you are a, a Kiwi, a, a born and bred Kiwi, I'm sure you keep saying. So, so Shay, do you want to give us a little bit of a background? So in the intro, I spoke about what you were doing prior to moving to Bali. And I guess the listeners would love to know like, why, why are you living in Bali and what are you doing over there? Yeah, cool. So as you mentioned, um, I own a marketing agency called Tailored by George and then also Fashion Label, which is growing um, rapidly over the last couple of years called Lost in Nowhere. But I guess let's go back to, to prior to that. So yeah, I've got 10 years experience in the marketing industry and prior to, to um, I guess, relocating to Bali and, and creating my own sort of business and different revenue streams. Yeah, I moved through the ranks quite quickly through the corporate industry in New Zealand and then managed to score a job at Sky City Entertainment Group, which is for those that are not familiar with Sky City, it's a basically New Zealand's biggest casino. And there I was looking after all the corporate sponsorship. So I got to hang out with all the super rugby teams, the breakers, basketball teams, um, the Warriors with the NRL. Um, it was bloody fun times. Um, and then eventually I moved across to the hospitality sort of arm of Sky City and then ran all the marketing for 21 restaurants, which included four celebrity chefs, Peter Gordon, Nick Watt, Sean Connolly, and so forth. So yeah, that was sort of that was sort of me at Sky City. And yeah, funny enough, I wore a suit and tie every day <laughs> and spent most of my days in meetings <laughs> and you know, making somewhat of somewhat high-level decisions for the business. So from reading, Shay, it was 2017 or so that you you made the move to Bali and and you kind of got out of that corporate nine to five. And next minute I seen you in Bali in board shorts and surfboard in hand. So can you tell us about you know, you making that break and moving over there and, and starting your own business. Yeah, um, for sure. Look, um, it kind of all started on a, on a trip to Bali. It was very much a social trip. I think one of my mates was getting married and decided to have a stag do in Bali. But outside all the partying, I, st- I stayed on and spent another couple of weeks here in Bali and, and sort of looked around and noticed that, you know, a lot of people were working in cafes on their laptops I just fell in love with the lifestyle in terms of, you know, beach life, waking up, um, surfing, and just the whole essence of the island, I think. And that for me was like a real sort of turning point in my life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved my corporate job and I loved my position at Sky City. And, you know, like I said, I was moving through the ranks quite quickly, managed to win multiple marketing marketing awards during my tenure there, won a New Zealand Young Leadership Award. So by all means, you know, I was sort of, guess on the right track for a good leadership role within the business or within a corporate 
company. So yeah, I came back from Bali and started to really question, I guess, yeah, I guess my life and, and how I wanted that to play out. And that was kind of the start of me thinking, you know, what can I do to be able to have more freedom, more flexible time, do more things that I love. And I guess for me, it's like, you know, invest in people that have small to medium businesses. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of people, they get to a certain point within their business and then they sort of get lost, especially in the marketing sort of realm. And then for most, you know, for most companies that sort of make or break. Um, and we've, I've worked with loads of companies now since having my agency, which, you know, they've got to that make or break point and, you know, we've been able to engage with them and get them through that hurdle. And that's pretty rewarding. So in terms of marketing, obviously, most of the audience that are listening are photographers or creative entrepreneurs. Some people got a side hustle, some people got a part-time or a full-time photography business. We're talking about, I guess, you know, what holds us back as creatives and people that, you know, I mean, marketing, like, you know, I mean, you can put a hundred dollars in an ad and it can go nowhere. So where do you see most small businesses, people that are, you know, starting out and, you know, throwing some money around, where do you see them make the biggest mistakes when they're investing in marketing? Ooh, that's a great question. Look, biggest mistakes is, I mean, for me and from what I've seen is Instagram accounts and buying followers. I mean, it's an easy trap to fall into, to wanting a big Instagram following. Yes, there's value in that. But again, there is, it's detrimental to your business in terms of buying followers or engaging with the wrong audience. And again, it's, you know, I used to hate data when I worked at Sky City. I was a big picture thinker, all about brand. And luckily the role that I was in, the roles that I in, you know, allowed me to express that. But it wasn't until I moved to my own agency when I realized the importance of data. So again, it's, it's owning your own data, making sure that data is rich data. And, and we can talk about that further. And then come and then developing ways, which through Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, which basically uses that data and aggregates that data to find your ideal customer. So Shay, when you say data, can you, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean? Are you saying more data in terms of who your audience is or what your budgets are or where you're looking to project the business? You know, can you explain a little bit about what you mean about rich data and knowing your data? Yeah, for sure. I mean, probably in the simplest form, I mean, data is basically anyone that comes to your website, anyone that engages with your photos on Instagram or Facebook anyone that's like a lead in terms of your photography clientele or again if you're outside of photography anyone that's like purchasing on your website abandoning carts initiating checkouts again looking at a specific product or a specific service that's all rich data and it's all you know funneling into your into your website and then if you've got it set up correctly with what we call a facebook pixel then basically all that data is ready to be used on advertising platforms. And then from there, you can take that pool of data and, and allow that to aggregate through different forms of, of sort of techniques and with, within Facebook marketing. So, so with the data, obviously, yeah, it is really important knowing, you know, the trend and, and you're talking about when they go to your website and I guess their actions from there and if they're abandoning card and why. So, so do you think a really, really important thing is to, you know, not just put a website out there, but to actually, you know, are there any, you know, software applications that we can use to track data other than a Facebook pixel that 
simplify it where that we can see that people are, you know, jumping on our website for two seconds and then jumping off it and getting lost and trying to find, you know, our packages and prices. So do you know any way that we can simplify that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, on the simplest um, form, it would be Google Analytics and making sure that's all set up with the website. And then, you know, through that, you can, uh, unless you have, depending on what platform you've got as well, most website platforms now are spitting out really good analytics. So you can have a look at, you know, all the pages that people are looking at, the time they're spending on the website, where they're dropping off, right down to like how long it takes people to actually make an order or submit a lead form, et cetera, et cetera. And you can do most of that through Google Analytics, if not the back end of your website. And, you know, most of you guys will probably be on Squarespace, Shopify, WordPress, all which basically have built-in analytics, which is which are pretty good. I remember um, utilizing your services, Shay, and we use Facebook Pixel and we were looking at the trend of, you know, the marketing that we, we were targeting and what people were doing. And it just, I just remember now how incredible it was the inquiries I was getting in when it was set up correctly. I mean, in my business, you know, I'm the photographer, but I've always had an editor that works for me because I know that that's where they've invested their time and you've done, you know, 10 plus years in marketing and stuff like that. So obviously a lot of us are really green when it comes to it, but like you said, so Google analytics, getting Facebook pixels set up correctly and not just leaving it there, but actually reviewing it. So do you, you know, do you suggest to anyone, you know, doing this on the daily, weekly, monthly? And what do you think the main thing that we need to look out for? Is it the bounce rate on our websites? Is it how they scroll through? If you could put down one thing where we could focus on. Yeah, look, I, I reckon if you look at how people are scrolling through the website and you can do that through Google Analytics behavior flow, that will give you a really good indication of like where people are coming in, whether that's the homepage, et cetera. And bearing in mind that if you've got advertising set up and directed to a specific link, that behavior is going to change. But in most cases, you know, people are coming through to the homepage and then you can see a bit of a customer journey of what pages they went to and where the drop-off was, et cetera, et cetera. So you're always going to get a big drop-off on the website, on the homepage, sorry. But it's that lead on from where they go and where they travel to across your site which is something you should be really aware of, especially as a small small business um, owner. And then you can start to sort of be a bit tactical with the way you sort of present your website and the page orders, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay. So re really honing in on what's happening within our, I guess, our platforms being, you know, our website, which is generally the last, you know, into prior to the point of contact between a client. But I know, Shay, you work with a lot of small businesses around the world, you being located in Bali and working with some over there as well. Do you think branding and, you know, simple things like color palettes and stuff like that have a huge factor when it comes to, you know, that brand awareness and confidence when people are buying? Oh man, this is such a tricky one. Hey, um, like from from my end, you know, I personally like to, to have an, an aesthetically pleasing website or brand. But that's not to say that I haven't worked with clients, which I believe, or from a personal point of view, the website is not as good as it could be from an aesthetic point of view mm -hmm. and a brand point of view. And mate, they have nailed it. 
there is like no issue with sales or return on investment. So again, it really comes down to your audience and the expectations of your audience. For you guys as photographers, for sure, you know, there's no way you can have mediocre photography or content on there because that's a full representation of you as a photographer or you as an artist, you know. If you're working in another sort of industry, again, it's it, it just basically depends on what your customer is prepared to, is, is looking for and, you know, their readiness to buy. Because, yeah, like I said, I've, I've worked with many, many clients and some websites, you know, are not that great. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, Shay, you're planning a wedding at the moment and obviously this audience are mostly photographers. So, you know, we, we, we all produce photographs and as you mentioned, you've, you know, your photos need to be a wow factor. So what's, what's one thing that you and your fiance, you know, would consider when you go to a website? Are you looking at doing more reading? Are you looking at, you know, how, how beautiful the photos are and then trying to find prices or are you not really worried about prices? I'd love to know. Yeah, the I guess the theme of how you would flow through deciding on the correct photographer for your wedding. Yeah, for sure. Great question. So yeah, lucky enough to get engaged last November. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Congrats. And like Ryan said, we're um, starting to plan our wedding. So I guess from a non-marketing point of view, from a pure customer point of view, um, for you guys that are photographers out there, I mean, we're, we are always looking at, the past weddings and the photos of those past weddings to get an idea of sort of the vibe and, and what you guys can produce. So I think having a a pretty strong portfolio of, of the weddings you've shot and I guess a variation of examples or styles. I know, I know most of you guys have sort of one style, but it's, you know, Ryan, if I look at your website, you know, you've got multiple weddings around the world and on the Gold Coast, all in different locations, which to me says, you know, that, it's a really strong sort of sort of picture there in terms of what our wedding could look like um, from a photography point of view. And then again, yeah, I mean, we're always looking at prices. So um, a basic price would be great. And then obviously we kind of know that that's the base and we can scale up from there. Um, I think that's really helpful as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I know, um, I know pricing and, you know, I know it's a bit of a touchy subject with photographers and, me personally, I've, I've had mine on my website prior and I've taken it down and I've tested it. And yeah, like you said, Shay, I think, um, you know, as a customer, you know, looking at choosing the right wedding photographer, it's amazing hearing from your point of view, because then we can really target our marketing and realize that, okay, so, you know, you want to see, you know, brand authority by someone that's been there and done that probably, you know, a consistent style across the board. And then you want a starting price because, we're all so busy and you know, with marketing and stuff that, you know, you, you don't want to send an email off or well, personally, I don't, I know you most likely Shay wouldn't want to send an email, wait a week, hear back, get on a, a Zoom call or a Skype call, wait out and then hear that the, you know, you're way out of the, the price point. It's just kind of a bit of a, a disheartening thing. So you think definitely showing like pricing from would get you in the door if that fit within your budget? Um, yeah, I mean, again, if I look at it from a customer perspective, I mean, the amount of emails that we've, we've flipped off to planners, venues, you know, caterers, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of them didn't have prices on there. So, I mean, for me, you know, we're fairly busy. So to have like a base, base cost would 
probably be beneficial, but I fully understand that some of these packages um, for you guys are quite bespoke and need to be built on. And, you know, I see that in my own business with marketing as well. It's, I, we do have a base price. We don't advertise that. But, you know, once you get to know the needs of the customer, et cetera, then that price definitely needs to scale. Otherwise, you know, from a business perspective, we're just doing way too much. Gotcha. So from a marketing perspective, you think, I guess there's no right or wrong way to go about it. It's, it's all about confidence. Wouldn't you think about, you know, are you wanting to have your pricing out there or would you rather do the talking and, you know, customize something to suit, you know, someone else's needs, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, no right or wrong. I think, you know, let your work sort of speak, speak for itself. And then remember, just remember what kind of customer you're going after, you know, is it, are you hustling for, you know, lots of weddings at a small price or are you quite happy to do, you know, five or 10 at a really high price and, and really go after that sort of high end customer. So, I mean, you know, and you see it in venues all the time. It's like you get the low, low end, middle end, and then you get some venues which are like ridiculously priced. And even here in Bali, you know, there's a couple of hundred thousand dollars just for the venue. It's just like, whoa. But obviously, there's an audience for that, right? Eh? Yeah. And obviously, that's their clientele, you know? So they're like, hey, we're happy to do however many weddings, but we know we're not going to get inundated with, you know, the small, small group weddings with like 50 people because, you know, that cost is just going to get, it's not really worth it. So they obviously know their customer base um, really well and they're quite happy to, to work with that customer base. So if we can swing it back around to the marketing sense of things and obviously COVID-19 is a real thing at the moment. It's, you know, we spoke about it throwing, you know, pretty much tourism under at the moment and, you know, people hustling and scrambling trying to make ends meet. Where, where do you see, I guess, where do you see marketing going now for the future? Just after this, like as you're planning this wedding, you can see trends and you're still looking after small businesses and large businesses with their marketing. Have you had to pivot and change your approach? Yeah, look, that's a really interesting question, Ryan. You know, I've sort of weathered the storm in terms of ups and downs with this whole COVID-19 crisis. So um, I've seen multiple clients skyrocket during this period. And I'm talking, you know, 30 to 40, even maybe 50% growth when we punch the numbers, which is super cool because you, you sit there and you look at the media and everything's closed. You know, the beaches are closed in here in Bali. Your whole lifestyle has been turned upside down. But then you get on the other side of things, these clients which are absolutely just killing it. And, you know, and that's just, a, they're just in the, in the market at the right time. They've got the right product for, for those customers' needs at the time, you know. And then on the flip side, you've got clients which have just said, you know, openly and it's, it's just what it is. It's where the world's at. And they've said, hey, look, Shay, we're going to have to pause all marketing. So, yeah, it's a really difficult sort of time. And I guess, as I mentioned, it's times are changing so fast. So it's really hard to see at the moment for those clients that have stopped marketing in terms of a paid, you know, paid sort of performance or paid advertising where they go to and, and how they respond. Cause it's not just the crisis there's obviously a, a, you know, a recession, dare I say it, which is looming. So how that impacts the world globally, locally, um, is going to be a really interesting time. And I think we won't see that play out for a number of weeks, maybe even months to come. So yeah, in terms of pivoting, you know, for those people that did pull marketing, it was a conversation around, you know, more personal branding, 
do not stop talking to your customers, um, pushing content out there. You need to stay relevant. You've got to remember that most people are at home online. So there is opportunity there to add value to those people. I know, Ryan, you've done that really well um, just with your own channels. Um, I, you know, you're always on the stories. You're still pushing out content. And, you know, for photographers, you know, me and my partner, we, we spent two hours looking online um, at weddings last night. So, you know, our thought train is still very much, hey, we're going to get married eventually. So we need to keep planning and keep looking. So, Shay, you, you think you think for us, staying top of mind, still getting content out there, still, you know, doing Instagram stories and what we can to be front of mind, even though that, you know, our audience or market aren't, specifically maybe buying right now because people might be a bit more hesitant with their money but when they come back around or when time fits you know like you said you spent two hours looking on weddings and if that person that you're interested in is is showing up every single day you know are you more likely to make contact and do do you feel like that's the best thing we can all do right now rather than a direct marketing cause where it's you know, a discount because of this, or we're, you know, rerouting our packages to suit, you know, a lower budget needs. Do you think it's more just showing up, being real, giving, you know, good, good, honest information out to the world and to people to help them get through this. So then when the time does come, you know, that, that we are at the top of their minds. Yeah, look, a hundred percent, you know, and I know how most of you are feeling, you know, I've been there with both my businesses. It's just pretty easy just to switch off and go, all right, like, you know, I'm going to have a break or what's, what's the point sort of attitude. But, you know, like you said, um, Ryan, staying top of mind is, is critical at this time. And, you know, I wouldn't rush to go changing prices or packages just yet. Like we see in New Zealand, I'm pretty sure you can have a wedding starting next week with under a certain amount of people. I'm not sure the exact number. But, you know, there is going to be a time where the, the restrictions lift and those, I think, that have stayed top of mind or stayed in front of their customers and not disappeared. And whether that's through a content sharing point of view or whether that's sharing your personal story during the time, I think that's going to serve you well rather than just sort of putting your whole entire business on hold and then trying to kickstart it back when um, restrictions lift. And, you know... As a marketer, I still believe there's going to be huge rushes within the market, whether that's e-commerce, shopping. I mean, mate, how many people, I don't eat KFC, but how many people are going to rush rush down to KFC as soon as that opens in New Zealand? You know, and so people are going to get their lives back on track eventually. And those that were planning weddings for you photographers, you know, those plans aren't going to change. The budgets might change, et cetera, but you need to work with that, I think, as that becomes sort of more clear within the market. Yeah, I was speaking to another photographer friend of mine, Shane, we were speaking about, um, you know, once this does slow down and people start getting back to their normal, I personally think there's going to be a massive influx of business, especially for weddings, because a lot of the, at the moment, the venues are closing down or closed down. So they're not offering, you know, any services, but people are still getting engaged. People are still engaged. They're planning a wedding like you. You're just waiting for the time to, you know, jump the gun and, and grab those vendors. So, yeah, I believe if you can stay top of game, like you mentioned, Shay, and, and just wait, right, ride out the train, you know, like don't pivot and start like, you know, devaluing yourself whilst this market's on unless, you you know, you have to, which is could be a totally real thing. But 
Shay, what, what I'd love to ask you, if you could share, obviously, you know, the audience of photographers and creative entrepreneurs, but if you could share, say, three implementable tasks that we can do today to level up our business, our life, finances, could you share three? Yeah, cool. Brian, I've been thinking about this, you know, um, all morning and there's, there's so many sort of implementable tips I can, I can provide because my life has changed so much in the last four years. You know, I went from nine to five corporate job, wearing a suit to surfing every day, working in board shorts, being surrounded by entrepreneurs, big, big thinkers. So, um, yeah, I think tip number one, uh, if you can go out and get it, download it, the four hour week work week by Tim Ferriss. So yeah, I mean, it's not all about working four hours a week, but there are so many sort of tips, little nuances, um, inspiring stories in that book that if you are thinking about going out on your own or changing the way you work or changing your lifestyle, uh, or even just changing the way you think about work, finances and abundance, that book has changed my life. And I've, Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. I think I've read it like three times now and I always go back and open the pages and have a little skim of the chapters. So um, yeah, go out and get it today if you can. Tip number two, do something for yourself um, that you love that's not work or related to your business like every day. So for me, it's you know waking up early in the morning, going for a surf and then in the afternoon going to the gym. And you know, it's working for yourself can be quite lonely at times. So I guess it allows you to mix with people. It allows you to get the creative juices flowing for sure. And it just allows you to step away from the business front, you know, and, and everything that's going on, working with clients, trying to, trying to hustle, trying to think of new ways, trying to learn new techniques, whether it's, you know, marketing or content or honing in on your craft. It just allows you to free that mind space up. And then for me, it's like an ultimate de-stressor, you know, like it's pretty much you go surf, you come into the office like a brand new person, then you go to the gym in the afternoon and you leave sort of as a brand new person, um, ready to get cracking into it the next day or moving, moving forward with the same day, you know? Mm -hmm. And then what was my third one? Third one, network, 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 network. So, you know, I did this in my corporate job. You know, I went to every sort of function I could with work. I got to meet with everyone that I could. And that put me in really good stead to go out and launch my own platforms. And then even with you and your friendship group, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have a lot of um, entrepreneurial friends around me. So it's being in the right place at the right time when they need help. And it doesn't always have to be paid, you know. Surround yourself with the right people. Get, get, in, get in some groups where people, uh, you know, business owners, Ryan, I know you've got a really good group online and Facebook and that's really good in terms of connecting people. So yeah, that's my third, third and final tip, I guess. It's get out there and don't be afraid to, to get in front of people and, and let them know what you do. You know, mate, a lot of people thought I was crazy for what I did a couple of years ago, like leaving a secure job, moving to an island, sacrificing a few other things in my life. But you know, I've never looked back and I don't think I could ever go back into that world either. We, uh, we, we see it from a distance as well, Shay, and obviously being friends with yourself. Um, I mean, I'm getting shivers just sitting here and, and remembering you doing that move and taking that chance. You know, I remember speaking, you know, to uh, a good friend of ours and, you know, he said like, Man, Shay's crazy. I can't believe like, you know, he was set up and 
you know, and to look to where you are now and how happy you are. I mean, for your spirit spiritually and um, that energy now that you bring in, you, you know, like when we catch up in Bali, I mean, we've been there a lot of times together. It's the lifestyle is just, yeah, it's it's something to be envious of. And I guess like with that nine to five, I mean, you have security, but look at security these days with this whole COVID-19, right? It's like, yeah, it, are any jobs secure? So I'm so, so grateful that you made your break. I'm so thankful to have you on the show. And I know all these tips that you've shared with everyone are going to be super useful. Showing up, still market, get out there. Like you said, Shay, lean into fear. Don't be worried about you know, telling people what it is that you do and, and being front of mind right now, you might not be making sales as you mentioned, but it may come because people are still planning weddings. So appreciate it, Shay. I wish I could get over there and obviously catch up for a surf again, but I think it's going to be a few more months until I can uh, to come on board and we can catch up for a surf, dude, but appreciate all your time, man. And I'll um, obviously link to everything and anything you spoke about in the show notes. I'll link to tailored by George which is your marketing boutique agency and Lost in Nowhere, which always has my back because it's got absolutely amazing clothes. So guys, go over, check it out. I'll also link to all Instagram handles and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, super thankful to have you on board, man. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, and to everyone listening out there, honestly, you know, if one thing that the COVID sort of situation has taught us is like you said, Ryan, nothing's a given. So get out, chase your dreams. Go and change your life because you've only got one. So, um, and if it doesn't work, hey, it doesn't work, but stay the course and do what you believe in for sure. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.